This is The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to The Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the west side of Oahu. And boy, do we have an interview for you today. There is a documentary, Out of Shadows, that is sweeping across the world. In just one week, countless millions have seen this film and shared this daring expose on Hollywood. And joining us today to talk about his film is Brad Martin. Brad is a Hollywood insider. This man has been in the industry for three decades. He is a stuntman and world-renowned stunt coordinator. And I'm just going to ask him, why would you take this daring leap, this bold leap, to tell this story that is told in Out of Shadows? So let's get on with the interview. Make sure you subscribe, give us five stars, and write us some comments. This episode has been brought to you by Movie to Movement, creating a culture of life, love, and beauty through the power of film. Here we go. Out of Shadows, an interview with Brad Martin. The Jason Jones Show. Aloha, Brad Martin. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Thank you, sir. Now, first of all, I want to say it is a, it is a privilege and an honor to talk to you. First of all, and obviously because you are a part of a documentary, Out of the Shadows, Out of Shadows, actually. I keep putting that in there. It's taking the world by storm, and so do you know? How, do you know how many people have seen Out of Shadows already? I mean, it's in so many places, and you've been scrubbed well, from YouTube. Do you have a well, count? I, no, it hasn't been scrubbed. It hasn't been scrubbed, but I've been told that there are some people have been taking taking the, as much data as they can, and somebody's. I've heard two separate people talk about thirty million views. Uh, and when? How many days ago did it go up? It went out uh, in, a, in a couple hours from now. It'll be one week exactly. It came out at uh, 10 p.m. Friday last week. So, yeah, so it's a privilege to talk to you. I can't even believe I got you made time for me on my show, so I'm honored for that. But also because when, when I first connected with you a couple of days ago, you're, you're an incredible stuntman, but you and I share a passion together, which is martial arts. And... You have a degree in philosophy from the University of Washington. Where not that where Bruce Lee has a degree in philosophy from? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Now, do you have a statue of Bruce Lee in the department? <laughs> I don't think so. I haven't seen it. You got you to write your alma mater and say, well, what do you mean we don't have a statue of Bruce Lee? Come on. The ultimate martial artist. The quintessential martial artist. And the quintessential movie guy. Exactly. I would say he was as much of a great actor, filmmaker, as he was a martial artist, and that's why he's so special. He groundbreaking. Yeah, groundbreaking. And so you have a black – I just want to get this out of the way because this is exciting to me. This, this podcast is my tribe, which has a lot of folks in the martial arts community that listen to this podcast. Our audience is very unique. We have a huge audience in the Middle East and in Africa. We have a lot of human rights people and a lot of martial artists. But you're a black belt in Taekwondo. My background is in Kyokushin, which is different. Our tournaments are different. Uh, our rules are 
our rules are much different. And you fought in a Kyokushin tournament in Japan in the 80s and won. Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, my, my martial, martial art background, I'm 50 years old. My martial art background, I started when I was, I, I became interested in it when I was about six. Um, I grew up in Sun Valley, Idaho, which is a ski resort in a small town which doesn't have any martial arts or didn't at the time. Uh, when I was about 10, there was like in a, in a hall in, in one of the hotels, somebody was teaching Kokondo, a Japanese martial art. And just to take something after being a fan you and I spoke about, we're both fans of Kung Fu Theater uh, right. when we were kids. And, and uh, I was motivated to go to classes. I, I took my, my own Christmas money that I would get for gifts, and I paid for my, my way through martial arts. I did Kokondo for a couple of years. Then that stopped, and then I was out for a couple of years. I hang, hung a heavy bag in my garage and just practiced every, every week after Kung Fu Theater. I would just go in there and try the moves I saw in the movies. And then uh, when I was about 14, uh, an ITF uh, Taekwondo school opened up in the south of my town. And I started going there. I became a black belt there. Um, and then I went off to college at University of Washington. I started studying a little WTF, uh, Aikido. And then I moved to L.A. And then when I moved to L.A. to become a stuntman, that's when my martial arts really took off and my diversity. Um, I, I, studied, I got uh, hooked up with a couple of the Inasano Academy guys, Chad Stahelski, who directed the John Wick movies became one of my best friends. We were best friends for years. He was the best man in my wedding. And uh, we, I started studying Kali and, and Silat and Sabat and Thai kickboxing and all that stuff. But it was just, for me, I just called it Hollywood Joe. It was movie martial arts for me. I was just doing whatever I could do to look good for movies. So like I told you the other day, my ground game's not that great, which I'd love to work on. But yeah, that's that's Now, did you ever... History. Did you ever get to do wushu? I know there's some great wushu schools in Hollywood, and and um, some stuntmen do that. Did you ever get a chance to peek in and, and look at what those guys are doing? Well, once uh, the Matrix came out, wushu became very hot in, in martial arts theater. So of course I, I did. I, I studied it with a bunch of my friends, and I, I could do all the necessary moves within the choreography that we had to do. You know, I, I, I worked with um, Yen Wu Ping, Chen Yen. Um, the two biggest martial arts choreographers out of China. They were I'm friends with both of them, and uh, they used to love me. And they they used to I was one of their top uh, white guys. Uh, they first met me when I did that show Martial Law with Sam Hung, and there was a handful of guys, Mike Smith, who's also in the documentary, myself, Chad, who were like their point guys that they know they could go to. They could put us in the spots to fight Samo because Samo had zero tolerance for bad choreography or bad performers in choreography. Well, and that'll lead into what we're here to talk about, which is your your groundbreaking documentary that you were a part of, that you did together with your friends. I was looking at your IMDb, seeing if we had any professional connections, and you 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 did Mortal Kombat, and I'm friends with Kerry Tagawa. I don't know if you got to know Kerry at all, but he's one of the most beautiful human beings um, you'll you'll ever meet. Did you get to know Kerry at all at a personal level? I met, no, 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 I don't. I have some friends that know him on a personal level, and they say the same as you. I've met him, but I did not become acquaintances of his, really. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to start this way is you're a father, you're a husband, you're a professional, you love your vocation. You weren't looking to make a documentary on the third rail of politics. You weren't looking to enter the world of conspiracies. You were a man living his life, loving his family, and you were very successful. And now you are part of a documentary that has captured the world's attention. It's being sent to me from friends of mine in the administration, different government agencies, uh, all over Hollywood, 
you may have seen Mel Gibson made some comments that were reported in the press today uh, that I think were inspired by your film. So can I ask you, first of all, can you give us the log line or sum up this documentary in just two sentences and then we can go from there because it hits so many, you have so many dots that we're going to connect in a short period of time. Um, what would be the, the log line of out of the shadows or out of shadows? Shit. I wish you had asked me this ahead of time uh, to come up with them. But I mean, the, the, the log line is this is basically, let me see. We wanted to show, we wanted to, somebody actually told me this last night. It's a great term. They called it pink killing. So obviously not a hard red pill, so people can digest the information we give them. So what I'd like to call this is a, a pink pill to through the doorway of the entertainment business and letting them know that everything that they watch is not just entertainment. There's, a, there's an agenda. Yes. You know, as I'm looking at you, your, your uh, IMDb page, and there's an ad in the ad column to the right of Tiger King. And when you look at a show as perverse as Tiger King, which is taking the world by storm, they don't have to pick the people they tell the stories about in reality shows and documentaries or in narrative features. They're choosing the stories they tell, right? And, and one of the things you and I talked about offline, this is about Hollywood. And it's an expose on Hollywood and the mainstream media, their manipulation, their spreading of propaganda, uh, the abuse of children, but when we were talking offline, we were both agreed that in, in the entertainment business, we have met the most beautiful people in the world, the hardest working, the most thoughtful. And um, yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can elaborate on that right now. Yeah. It's something that everybody should know because I've heard, I've had a few comments. I've heard a few comments prior to us releasing the documentary, but basically like if you're in Hollywood, you're bad because of what's going on. But I just want to let the world know that, they're, the people that are working on these movies are everyday people. They're working their butts off. They're working 12 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week, slaving away. They don't have time for anything other than work. And they put their heads down and they work hard and they're very good people and they're good and they're honest. And if any one of those people had any inkling about anything that was going on in Hollywood, I guarantee you I would have heard about it or somebody would have heard about it. We just never heard about it. So to be enlightened into this world, I came, I came to this information through an alternate direction. And was, so yeah, where did, cause Mike, so Mike Smith, by the way, had a good line. He had a good line in the film. He, he said that it's not really Hollywood, but it's the people that control the industry. It's not the people in the industry. It's like, uh, you know, it's uh, there's, there's a saying like it's a country of Indians governed by Swedes. It's almost, there's two worlds. There's the people making the movies and the people controlling which movies get made and distributed. Would that be fair? I, I think that it would be fair, yeah. And uh, they control, they keep their control by making sure they hire the right people. For instance, I couldn't really figure it out for my whole career, actually, but it's gotten worse, you know, the last five years, last 10 years, and then the last five years, it's ridiculous now that being a director on a Hollywood feature has become an entry-level position. It's become a position where you've got a neophyte out there and you're trying to explain to them how to make a movie, but they walk onto the set with this ego thinking that they're the next hot director trying to make everything happen. And then you're like trying to educate these directors and let them know how it works. And it's, it is 
the exact wrong way to make movies. And is that because they don't want directors that are going to kick against the goads that push back? They want young people that'll do just exactly. I have to I have to say that you're that's one hundred percent correct. You know, I have a lot of former interns now that are directing a lot of stuff, and I thought, wow, I must I must be a lucky charm for these beginners in Hollywood. But it it makes sense now. I've never thought about that. So they come in and they're just going to do what they're told, and and they're exactly. going. Exactly. And it comes to shove. Push comes to shove, the new director who wants to make his big break is not going to say no to the producer that tells him to do something. Okay, so now, so now I want to get into this documentary. As it was unfolding, and we're first introduced to Mike Smith, and I knew that Mike would have a mentor or that would enter. So I'm like, okay, as a filmmaker, I'm like, who's going to be the mentor that comes along, the companion? That's where you enter in. So you were there before Mike, and he knew he could go to you, correct? He had no. a hunch that you were already there, or no? Nope, nope. He was, he was really reaching out to everybody to find out who knew. Okay. And, and we were, Mike and I started together back in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, we, one of our, both of our, our, both, our first significant job was the same job, Batman Forever, where we were both, both of us were Harvey's thugs. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones' thugs, and then I doubled Robin for the martial arts, and he doubled Batman for some stuff, and uh, and uh, we um, we just bonded there, and we became friends. We parted our ways as um, our stunt careers went away, and we became coordinators because we couldn't work together then. And then, so we were always, you know, we always checked in with each other once in a blue moon. But uh, he called me one day, and he started asking me questions about, hey, do you know about this? Do you know about that? And we just started riffing off each other. And he's like, oh, my God. And then he told me about this documentary that he wanted to do. And I said, before he even asked, I said, dude, I would do that. And then he he, I, he stepped back. It was, he took back. He was like, what do you mean? Like, you would do it? I went, I will do that. I mean, I don't think, I don't know what I have to offer you because I'm just a stupid stunt guy as far as I'm concerned. But if you want my opinion, you want me to stand by your side, Mike, I got your back anytime because I believe in this stuff. 100%. So you allowed the industry to brainwash you. You're a stunt coordinator, which is really the uh, mo- the job on the set with the most con- the highest consequences of the degree in philosophy. But anyway, go on. So you were like, what, <laughs> what, 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 what do I have to contribute? But at that point, when he... No, put- no, I mean, what do I have to... No, no, I'm talking about like the information. The, the information. Like, I, I don't have any firsthand knowledge. If I did... I would have done something about it. I'm not a whistleblower. Yeah. I'm just somebody that knows about the industry very well. I know the ins and outs of everything in the industry, but I'm not, no one's going to look to me for answers necessarily. They might look to me for hope and, and support and courage. And I hope that I hope that I do that. I hope I inspire millions. Well, this documentary is definitely inspiring millions. And, and I have, you know, you call it a pink pill. In a way, I think it's a bright red pill, and, and here's what I mean by that. The points that are made in this... So your documentary was sent to me as I was on a crusade against Q. And then Q shared your movie, so all these Q supporters sent this to me because I had been doing challenging people to come on my podcast and discuss Q and the reasons why I, I didn't like it and I thought it was undermining our search for truth. And why I think your documentary was a bright red pill is you make a lot of points. You support those points with evidence 
that you can't deny. I mean, Pizzagate, the Podesta WikiLeaks, the artwork and the owner of uh, the Podesta's home and also the owner of Comet, uh, Comet Pizza. Ping Pong. P- yeah, Comet. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry? Comet Ping Pong. Yeah, so what's the name of it again? Isn't it Comet Ping Pong? Oh, yeah, that's it, Comet Ping Pong. And do you know, I went into that pizza place with like fear and trepidation because it's near one of my favorite bookstores. But it was, I think it was after they already purged a lot of the artwork. And so I've heard people say, oh, I wouldn't connect the dots that they made in that documentary. And I've heard a few people say, well, I didn't understand why the CIA stuff was in there. But the points that you make, I have not had one person. I've had the biggest skeptics on Pizzagate after seeing this go, well, what's there to dispute? This is disgusting. How is this not being investigated? So I think it's that kind of clarity and support that you support with evidence, the points that you make, and you and your partners are taking a real risk. Have you gotten a kickback yet? I mean, are you worried about being kicked off Twitter or do you think this will hurt your chances of working again in the industry? Are you worried about that? Or have you ever, have you already seen signs of that? Um, well, there's a couple questions there, but but so in terms of in terms of uh, working again in the industry, this I was driven to this through desperation, like you said, like this was this was my love, this craft for action and movies was a, a deep passion of mine for many years, and I loved it so much. And the more I loved it, the more creativity I wanted, which is the passion for climbing up the ladder, becoming a stunt coordinator, becoming an action director and trying to direct movies because I want to, I want to bring my vision to the table, but it was never, I was never able to, there's always somebody squashing it because there's always the director that wants his vision and has the final say, fair enough. Um, but those directors that were making those decisions, well, the, the decisions that were being made by those directors over the years were being, were getting worse and worse. I believe more and more bad calls every time. I'm just like, I was baffled by, by the last couple of years of work. I was like, how are people, how are these people even directors? I would, as a producer, you would have to be, I mean, not in your right mind to be hiring these people to represent your movie. Um, anyway, so that, that affected, that, that affected. As a producer, I'm guilty by- of doing that, by the way, <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I repent on behalf of producers everywhere. Okay, go on. <laughs> But um, so I I, uh, I just wanted to make good movies. I couldn't find an avenue. And, and as a stunt coordinator, I don't get to pick and choose what I want to do. People say, well, why don't you just do a good movie? It's not that easy. You get offered a movie, and we're lucky to be offered movies. It's like, shoot, yes, I'll do that. I need a job. So it's um, I was starting to become unhappy, and I, w- I wasn't enjoying my craft anymore. And uh, to the point where I started going to work angry. And then um, my, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, was starting to share documentaries with me, and I started waking up. And uh, in 2015, I was uh, uh, amongst the documentaries. I remember the, the one exactly. You know, I always, always have my questions about 9-11 and stuff like that. But through all these documentaries, I was watching this one documentary called Invisible Empire, talking about, you know, the New World Order, basically, all the, 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 the big businesses that are controlling everything. Big, the, and um, my mind snapped <clears throat> and I just, the door opened. I woke up instantly and I was like, 
this is, I believe now, what I didn't believe before and what I believed after was that they're powerful and rich people can be, can have ill intentions. And I didn't want to believe that before. And once I accepted that and once it just hit home with me, I was off and running and I, I was shouting it to, to everybody. I was telling my friends, I was telling the producers on the movie I was working on. And I was, I was with, I was losing friends left and right. I mean, people were instantly, I became the crazy guy. And I'm like, but, but wait, but you just look at this. And they're like, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. I mean, the government has done such a good job of prepping everybody to not accept. Oh, you know what? And that makes sense why the CIA portion of the film was so important because it shows you how they manufactured the term conspiracy theory so you never question the narrative. My, one of my other best friends, um, I sat down with him uh, uh, two years after I tried to share this information with him and I was away on location. We went thinking up on our schedules. Finally, we got together and I went to lunch with him. And uh, we started talking about this stuff. And he looked at me right in the eyes and he said, hey, dude, have you ever worried about them coming and taking your kids from you? And I didn't know what to say. I looked at him right in the eyes and I, I, I stopped for a couple of seconds. I was trying to process everything. And I was like, you mean for believing what I believe in? And he instantly backed up. He was like, oh, 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 but I was like, oh, my God, my best friend thinks I'm verifi- verifiably insane. To the point where they're going to take my, he thinks they could take my children from me. Yeah, or maybe he doesn't think you're insane. In a way, sometimes I think that's a, a, he's a tipping, tipping his hat that he believes you, but that the consequences can be so severe. Is it worth risking your own, you know, is it worth taking the risk? I think, I think there's so many people that when they, they, I don't like the term red pill, but we'll use it. They get red-pilled. Or, you know, let's just use the hero's journey. There are a lot of people who get the call for the hero's journey, but they want to refuse the call. And a lot of people do refuse the call. The costs are too high. And, you know, one of the things why I think it was so important uh, for you to join your friend and say, you know, when Mike said, you want to come along on this with me, is solidarity. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast. It's one of the reasons why when uh, Alex Jones asked me to guest host a show, I did it. All my friends were like, are you going to guess? Do you know the consequences of doing that? You can be kicked off Twitter. You can be doing this and this and that. I said, you know what? If people are being bullied, I want to stand with the people being bullied. And what your documentary does is it stands with the most ultimate vulnerable. Like when you, you know the irrefutable truth in the heart of your documentary is there are rich, powerful people hurting children objectifying children the artwork they have is repulsive if they had artwork like that of post-pubescent girls feminists would be outraged but they're prepubescent and i think it's too strange that people don't even know how to process it or speak out against it but don't you think that's true if if that was a painting of of uh girls gone wild poster in his house people would be outraged but you have a bunch of prepubescent girls uh, looking back, back in one of the paintings, and people aren't horrified by that. Everyone on the earth isn't horrified by that. So that's well, the... I, mean, Dave, I believe that's and now that is a different topic. But that's the modern art movement. So you go pitch this modern art, and you start calling it art, and then you see that in people's houses, you don't question it anymore. Yeah, but 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 my only point in bringing that what 
up was you had Liz who was punished for standing in solidarity with young children who are being raped and abused. Then Mike steps yeah. up and says, I'm, I, hey, look, I'm a man with some clout and some credentials. People respect me because of who I am and what I've done. I'm going to stand with you. And then you step up and you, you know what? I'm going to stand with you too. And what happens is when enough people say, you know, here you are being your friend saying, hey, they can, they can take your kids. This can get serious. Not just your career. We'll give up our careers, right? We'll give up our houses, um, but take just, just to hold you up for one second, I, I know what you were saying, but just to clarify, yeah, sure, sure. I promise you, my friend was telling you, telling me I was crazy. I, I know that that was <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right, I get it, I get it. Um, well, and that's so sad, isn't it? I had, uh, I had um, a friend, not a friend, a neighbor come over two days ago. We just met, and he Googled me, and he came over. To, he wanted to. He had to make a statement to me. So I'm like, okay, he's my new neighbor. He Googled me, <laughs> and he said, I just want you to know, I believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus, and I'm pro-choice. I oppose the death penalty, and I support euthanasia. So right away, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't need everyone to <laughs> come to my house and tell me they've Googled me and let me know how they disagree with me. And I said, may I ask why you are opposed to the death penalty? And he said, because only God can give life and take away life. And I said, but you're pro-choice and support um, euthanasia. He said, yeah. And I said, well, that, you know, your position is perfectly consistent in one way. It's consistent with the gods of the city's dictates. And then he goes, well, no, don't get me wrong. I'm a rebel. And I said, yes. And the gods of the city say, you get, you get to call yourself a rebel when you agree with them on absolutely everything, right? So I'm looking at him, and clearly he's crazy, but he thinks I'm the crazy one, right? He looks me in the eyes, says he's pro-choice, pro-euthanasia, opposed to the death penalty because only God can take life and give life away. And it is a strange thing how people conform to the status quo. And those of us who disagree with it are, are maladjusted. Um, and, and that's what you found, right? People were defending the gods of the city when you, you, were, pre, you were preaching blasphemy. You were saying the truths yeah. that they hold to are, are not true. Yeah. And people don't like blasphemers. People don't like yeah. people I mean, who, who deny the gods of their city. Absolutely. Now, was your distribution strategy from the very beginning to do this on YouTube, or were you... No, this this was work of God, for sure. We, at first, we were going to try, we hooked up with some promoters uh, a year and a half ago, and we thought, or, yeah, about a year and a half ago, and we, or a year ago, and we thought it was very possible that we were going to be able to have a showing uh, the 4th of July in Washington, D.C., when Trump was doing his rally or doing his speech. That was the first intention. And then we were going to try to go, go around the country and display it and uh, do talks. But as it turns out, um, we wanted like so. Another thing you were talking about is how everything, how all the everything is backed up with evidence in our movie. But everything, I challenge everybody out there to fact check everything. And we were we were going down one road with our documentary, and we had another person involved, and uh, we were having some problems fact checking everything. It was we were not. We, 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 we found ourselves having a problem with some information that this other person was giving us, so we had to cut them out of the documentary. So 
starting around the 4th of July or just before that, there was a complete re-edit. Re -edit. Mike re-edited the whole thing. So we made a whole entire movie, uh, a different movie that we intended originally on making. Um, Mike originally came to me and I said I would do it. And he was just going to be behind the scenes and just make it happen. But after I told him I would do it, then you saw what happened. He did his testimonial. And then he basically was the narrator as well. He, he told me that I inspired him just from me coming forward as well. Well, and, and, and is the, I call it the Holy Spirit action plan. You probably, then when the shutdown happened, you're like, now we can't do our events. Now our, our film is just dead. I mean, well, Mike told me, Mike told me God told him uh, Good Friday, 4 10 20. He said he got that message strong and clear. And it just so happened by the grace of God that everybody's inside. Everybody's locked down. They had to watch it. We had, they had no choice. So Good Friday is the day that you, you dropped it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if you're a Christian, but as a Christian, Good Friday is to me just an, an important day. And it's a memorial to me and what makes our civilization unique where uh, there's this anthropologist, Rene Girard, who said all myths are the same and Hollywood's the, you know, the captain of all myths. So what all myths do is they say there's a good guy, there's a bad guy. And the bad guys are causing all the problems. If we hurt them, if we kill them, order's restored, peace and goodness is restored. But what the gospel story is, is that the good guy is actually the victim of violence. And we celebrate not the people killing the good guy, the sole victim, we celebrate those who stand with the victim, which were Mary Magdalene, Mary, his mother, and John. And that's what I love about this film is you are standing with the vulnerable. You're two, first of all, you have Liz who, 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 who put her career on the cross. Then you have two Hollywood guys. And can you imagine how comforting it is for her to have you stand with her? With, with, I know how, how comfort is. I mean, we're, we are family now for sure. And then I thank you for that. How lonely and how scary, how disillusioned she must have become. And then, so it's good Friday to me is what this film is all about. Standing with the most vulnerable people in the world. And I think all of us, you know, I work, my organization works with vulnerable from Sudan to Iraq to around the world. But you can be wealthy, you can be a Disney actor living in a big home from a wealthy family, and if you're being sexually abused, you, you are the most vulnerable person in the world. There's nobody, you know, you can be a young girl living in Oklahoma being sexually abused by her father and in a trailer park, too, and you're the most vulnerable person. There's nothing, and so what this film is really about is exemplified by the crucifixion. And so I think it makes sense to me. That's why God wanted the film to come out that day. Now Q shared your film, right? And one of the Q drops. Yeah. yeah. Now, when was that? Like how much longer was that? That was, I think that was, um, Tuesday or Monday. Okay. I think. And is that when you really saw it explode? No, no, it took off immediately. I mean, you added to it huge, but the first, um, I mean, it, it did a million views the first day without you for sure. And no, like, did you have, did you have a budget for um, marketing lists? No, this was all done on Twitter. 
and and Whoa. Mike Mike says Mike says God did it all, and uh, he very well did. He very, I mean, well, I told you offline. I'm not going to say their names, but some of the biggest names that our people would love in Hollywood were sharing it with me. I think that weekend within in a day or two. And right. then, then it was like women in the homeschool, my wife's homeschool group. Then it was random neighbors. Then it was, then it was my left wing friends that think I'm a nut sending it to me going, wow. this seems true. No, no, no. You know, this has gone beyond sort of the folks that you would expect. It would people that were already interested in this. This has gone to everywhere, everywhere. Everyone's talking about this, everyone and everywhere. And I'm so glad that you had the discipline and the courage to remove that stuff that you couldn't prove because that would have undermined everything else that you had to say, even though there's no refuting it. They would have said, look right. at this. This isn't true. I'm not even going to look at any of that. And exactly. And that's what they do. So we couldn't afford that. Was it, a, was it, a, was, were you united as a team? You know, I'm on a lot of film projects. It gets very tense. Was it like a long battle? Were you like, nah, it's just very simple. If we can't support it, it's got to go. We were all united as a team, absolutely, 100%. So what – I'll tell you, from, what struck me the most was just Podesta. Of all, of all of what you present in the film, the most shocking evidence to me is around Podesta and yeah. how powerful he is, and yet there have been no consequences and how his friends came around him. Did that what, – what in this documentary was – to you the most powerful and compelling irrefutable point that you make I mean, it's the point that i made that, you, that, that, you, that your film makes yeah or that you i made. mean well i mean for me like i said what i have to offer is just me as a person and my emotions and my feelings and what i have to offer is that it's just at the end of the movie i i, I stand by those words I'll stand by those for the rest of my life. But I just want to make, I want to do good by my children. I want to do good by the world. And I want to make this world a better place. It can be. It's, it's, everything is put in place already. We just have to start utilizing it. Um, the mess, the and, biggest message I have for the, go ahead. And you left out the most important thing you said. And I wanted and to I be, want to be the I, well, I'm sorry? That I want to be the catalyst for something better. I want to be one of the first. Because that's, that's maybe because you're a stuntman, right? Like if a stuntman isn't going to be the guy that make the leap when it takes courage. Nobody's going to make that leap. Right. So it's, it's, so, it's so interesting that you said that, like, um, I wanted to be the first who says that no people, they want to, they want you to jump off the rocks into the pond to make sure there's not a cliff ledge in there or something. Right. No, but well, we, I didn't say I wanted to be the first. I think I said, I, I hope, I hope that I can be the catalyst for something better. Yes. Um, and, and so, so yeah, it, it was a hope. It was a desire. I just, from my heart, I wanted to give this to everybody and hopefully inspire people. And and I'm, we are so blessed. We're so honored and humbled by this movement. I can't believe it. Well, my audience is, um, there are a lot of influencers. I have bishops, Catholic bishops that listen to this, elected officials. There's one member of Congress texts me after every show. And um, what is it that you would say to influencers? And media, influencers in government, influencers in religion. What is it? First of all, we want them to see your film. It's going to be in the show notes, or you can just Google Out of Shadows. Um, but what is it that you want to be the catalyst for in this film to be a catalyst for, especially for people who have influence? Because you're the ones that takes courage. This guy took courage. Liz took courage. 
So bishops and politicians and producers, they need to have courage. What is it that you want them to do next? Well, I, I would like everybody, uh, this is our, all of our hopes and all of our desires and, from what you, and us stepping forward and taking a risk is hopefully going to allow others to. And I've seen a couple of people post on Twitter the last couple of days about things. I don't want to say any specifics right now, but, but I think that we are definitely encouraging people or letting people know that there's other people out there like them and that they, they, people have their back. And if you just speak out and you just say your truth, you're, there will be plenty of people that have your back. Yeah, a, f- a, friend of, a friend of mine, on that note, a friend of mine texted me today. He said, Jason, every fo- everyone who's a follower, everyone who's not a leader, I'm sorry, he said, because he goes, you get mad at people for not being leaders, Jason. You can't be mad at them. He said, every, everyone who's not a leader is a potential follower. So we're not all going to have Liz's courage or your courage, Brad, or Mike's courage, but we can be potential followers. We can come up behind you. Um, we may not be the ones nailed to the cross, but we can be at the foot of the cross. But yeah. also this, too. Find out what resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Does Out of Shadows resonate with you? Or does Hobbs and Shaw and John Wick resonate with you? I mean, I can answer that. I'm sure everybody else can answer that quickly. I mean, the feel, where, where does your heart go? Follow where your heart goes. Listen to it. People have been taught not to listen to their heart because they have become followers. So become your, everybody out there, you are an individual. You're your own special person. And don't, you're, you aren't part of a herd. You are your own person. So you can decide for yourself, feel where your heart leads you and follow your heart. It will never lead you wrong. I really like how you said that because I feel like I look at Netflix and Amazon and Hulu like I did as a kid when I'd be hungry and I'd open up the refrigerator and all that was in there was like, mayonnaise, liver sausage, old bread, and pickles. And I'd always open it, and I'd eat it because, you know, but we don't have to consume this media. It never resonates with, it's never appealing. I I never go on there and go, oh, I really want to see this. You know, if I really wanted to see it, I saw it in the theater, Jojo Rabbit, A Hidden Life. You know, maybe three movies a year come out. I really want to see. But then what happens is we're bored. We pick it up and we stare at this nonsense and then we... We watch it because we feel we have to consume something and it doesn't resonate with us, doesn't appeal to us. We don't even remember we even saw it half the time an hour and a half later. Um, And now we have out of shadows something that it rings true. You you watch this and it rings true. And um, I have a couple of my buddies, a couple of close friends have seen it three times already. Amazing. Showing just friends showing their friends and family and their, their children. Now that friend that thought you were crazy, did he see it? I, I, I can't talk to him. I can't, I mean, I talk to him once in a while, but I don't ever dare talk to him about this kind of stuff. I haven't spoke to him for six months. That's, and that's, you know, that's, it's sad. It's sad the way that, that this, these sort of big battles can come and divide our little, little platoons, our families and our friends and our, our neighbors. Um, yeah, I mean, if you asked him, we probably weren't divided. He probably thinks I went crazy and, and whatever. I decided to not, 
continue contact with him because I didn't want to be viewed that way. So it was, it was, at the end of the day, it was my choice, but I'm just, I'm just following my heart and I'm just going where the good energy is. I don't want to be around that energy. He doesn't have anything for me if he doubts me. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, and if it undermines, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, it's been very hard. I've been in the pro-life movement since I was 17 and, and for me, it all began when my high school girlfriend was forced to have an abortion, third trimester abortion. Her father made her go, took her, beat her up, took her to Chicago Masonic Hospital. I didn't even know abortion was legal until I found out my child was destroyed. I didn't know it was a thing, as hard as that might sound to believe. I was just a kid from a broken home, didn't know anything about religion or politics or anything, really. And it wasn't until my girlfriend called me crying that this happened, that that was sort of my red pill, that there's... It's sort of extreme. Oh, you didn't tell me that one. That's heavy, yeah. Yeah, that was my red pill at 17 that when my girlfriend called me, I was at Fort Benning, Georgia, and a guy came run came running in to get me and said, you know, your, your girlfriend called. I was on kitchen duty, and your girlfriend called, and she's crying, and I ran out, and she was crying like I had never heard anyone in my life cry. The only way I can explain it was her soul was crying, and then her father just said, you're, you're, uh, you can come home now. We know your secret. Your secret's gone. I took, took Katie to get an abortion. And uh, it wasn't really his words that communicated to me the truth about abortion. It was how she was crying. And, I, and I've, you know, by the way, she sent me your video. She's one of the people that sent me your video. Everyone I know sent me your film. But my high school wow. girlfriend sent me your film. And all of these friends of mine on social media were sending your, it was coming from every direction. So, when I started speaking out against abortion at 17 and, and I haven't stopped since, um, of course you, you lose friends, you know, and uh, not that I can't be their friend for not sharing my understanding of human dignity uh, and, and that everyone should be protected from violence, but because I don't stand in, in lockstep with the gods of the cities, with the Supreme Court, with the mainstream media, they find that so offensive. You would think that we would be the ones more offended. You know, you think you'd be more offended. Wait, can't you see what they're doing to children? Right. And uh, But we don't because we understand. We understand it's very hard to break the spell of the mainstream media. It's hard to break right. Hollywood's spell. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, for me personally, like I was a, I'm from Idaho. I was from Sun Valley, Idaho. Like I said, small town. I was a meat and potatoes kid. I watched TV every night. Like I would, I was the all-American boy. I believed in red, white, and blue and the government, and they would never lie to us. Why would I? I wouldn't even think. I wouldn't even be a thought that ever existed in my head um, until 9-11. And then, you know, maybe a year or two after that, I started having questions. But, yeah, I just my mind has blown. I've flopped 180 for sure since, from, from, uh, since like, say, before, right before 9-11. I'm, a one, I'm 180 from there. So was 9-11 the, like, the first when you first woke up and said, what's going on here? Well, I, I think that, yeah, the loose change, that documentary, just, just the fact that it added, it, it raised questions. I was like, whoa, huh? What? What's going on? And I was like, oh, now there's something other than facts from the government that I'm receiving or information from the government, not facts, but necessarily, but information that I found other ways to gather information. I started listening. I was like, well, that's super interesting. I don't know what to think now. And I just, you know, I was busy in my career. So I was just kind of lived, 10 to 15 years of just kind of not really knowing. And it's the same tricks every time, right? Like Facebook just got caught using a photo of a family. Did you hear about this? 
I mean, I can tell you already a bunch. There's the, the hospital footage that they used from London that they also tried to pass off as New York under the COVID, COVID-19 stuff. I mean, there's so many of these things. Yeah, they had a family. Facebook had a whole family, a beautiful family. They said only one child, only one person in this picture is alive. They had a, um, an, a, a woman saying she was a nurse in New York crying that was picked up by all the news. She had bipolar disorder and she'd been fired from the hospital a year before. You know, you go back to, to 9-11, we had Colin Powell lying to the world. Everyone knows that's a lie. You don't even have to get to like the things that Loose Change says. Everyone knows that we lied about weapons of mass destruction. You can't deny it. Everyone knows right. that that Kuwaiti girl was a Georgetown visitation student who was not in Kuwait, did not see Iraqi soldiers bayoneting Kuwaiti children. And, and, and by the way, how did we believe it? How did we believe a little girl happened to be in a hospital? And it just was, but we believed it. We saw the Kuwaiti girl before Congress crying about seeing Iraqis throwing children out of incubators and bayoneting them. I was a young soldier at the time. And I was an infantryman, and I had bloodlust for Iraqis. I would have committed war crimes. And they used the same tricks over and over and over again. And we all admit, yeah, that was BS. But when the new BS is placed right in front of us, we never have the courage to deny the new BS. Well, all, yeah, that was all BS, but this is real. Uh-huh. Until next time. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, it, for me personally, I don't know if courage is the right word. I just, just the understanding of it all. I just, I just didn't know there was an alternate side. I didn't know that, that the government would ever lie to us. Yeah, people lie, you know, yeah. and people lie. And, and, you know, we have, as a Catholic, when the sex abuse scandal kind of rocked our church, I used to tell my friends, listen, this is not a Catholic problem. It's a human problem. It's an American problem. It's in all the institutions. You know, one out of six American girls is sexually abused before she's 18. And this is an epidemic. So we have to be, Vigilant where we are too, right? It's not just these bad guys in New York or LA or Washington, D.C. We have a, a, this culture of abuse of children. We need to be vigilant in protecting children from predators. And we need to be vigilant in protecting their moral imagination from predators that are being raped um, by the films that are pouring in through you know, the mainstream media, through pornography that's pouring in through their phones. I mean, I don't know about you. The first pornography I had was the Sears catalog. Do you remember that? <laughs> Do you remember when the Sears catalog was pornography? <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, the underwear section. And it was like three yeah. pages. And then you'd be like, ah, that's it. And then you'd be the tires. It would be like ovens, <laughs> ladies' underwear, and then tires. <laughs> and then the Christmas catalog you liked because there was a little more pages of underwear. <laughs> That was our pornography, America, for those of us in our 40s and 50s. It's the Sears catalog. Unless you had a dad that had a subscription to Penthouse. Yeah, I hope you didn't get the Penthouse in Idaho. I know they, didn't, I know they couldn't mail Penthouse in Idaho. Come on, don't tell me Bro, that. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Oh, no. Well, we did get the random when I was in, uh, I tell the story too much, but when I was like in fifth grade, some friends rode their bikes to my house. We would chase rainbows. And whenever there was a rainbow, and we really thought there was a leprechaun and we were going to beat him up and take his gold. That was always our plan. And we would race to the rainbow. <laughs> and and uh, little felons, right? Wanting to rob poor leprechaun of his pot of gold. So we were like in fourth or fifth grade, and they, they ride up to my house. 
And they're like, come on, let's go. And I'm like looking for the rainbow because this is the only time we go this fast is when we're, you know, about to pull a heist on a leprechaun. <laughs> and um, what kind of gear did you have? Nothing now. We could just take them with us. We were tough kids. We went, we watched Kung Fu Theater. What do we need? Okay. <laughs> <So> we, <laughs> yeah. Right. We watched Kung Fu Theater. So we, um, we race there and then we get to the, by the way, then all of a sudden I see bikes coming from every direction, every direction, like, Every neighborhood, there's just a stream of bicycles, right? We converge at this 76 gas station, the old one with the big 76 bulb, you know, like the globe with 76 on it, the uh, orange. Yep. yep. And uh, there was a dumpster, and then behind the dumpster, there was a Playboy magazine. And uh, we all – no, I don't think it was Playboy. It was pretty harder than that. It was, But we all just kind of stood around staring. And every wow. image in that magazine, I remember. <laughs> Everyone, I can tell you what the clothing the guy was wearing, the woman was wearing, tell you the shoes she had on, the clear heels. Now kids see that on PG-30. I mean, not PG, they see that every day. I, when I talk to young kids at school. Yeah, dude, that's exactly right. That's not even porn anymore when it was porn. Yeah, you're totally right. So... What you did is your film hit the nail on the head and said you can't escape this culture of corruption of our youth and abuse of our youth. So I just, I just want to thank you. Now, how can people? How do you want people to follow you? I know your Twitter must have blown up. Uh, how do people follow you on Twitter? And how do people uh, buy the film or donate to you? Do you have a Patreon account? How do we help you guys? Well, we are the the, the website is outofshadows.org. Okay. And at the very bottom, there's a donate button if you choose to do so. We don't ask for donations. It's just pure voluntary. Um, my Twitter handle is filmninja at actiondirector1. And, uh, yeah, that's all I do. I kind of just, I'm just doing Twitter right now, and, and uh, that's it. All right. And so I want to – you can ask people to – you cannot ask people to donate if you don't want to. But I want to ask everyone, if you are listening, this show is – you know, run by a nonprofit, funded by my nonprofit. I don't do a lot of hard asks to donate to us. I don't think I ever have. Um, I want you to go to outofshadows.org, you said? I'm sorry. .org. Yeah, outofshadows.org and donate. I, I assume that, you know, there are a lot of costs into making this film. You gave it to us for free. We all found it very useful. We are all sharing it. We would have all spent $20 to buy this on DVD. So at the very least, guys, you should do $20 because I know I've received this from so many people. And if all of us sent $20, it would more than cover the production budget of this film. If everyone who watched this sent you $20, you'd made a lot of money. Uh, if, if, I mean, this is, this is, this is not this, – nothing about this is about money. I understand we that. Trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is about God and sending a message. But what Seriously. I want you guys to be able to do is make the sequel. Yeah. You know, I want you guys to be able to buy Facebook ads. I want you guys right. to be able to rent email lists. I want you guys to be able to get this out there. And I, and I completely understand that. That's why all my movies are funded and marketed by a nonprofit. Because I want... Well, wanted, yeah, so throw out there too. If you guys, a couple of stunt guys making a movie like this, so, you know, on a shooting budget, if we had a budget, we'd bring you something really amazing to look at. Praise God. Well, brother, I thank you for giving me so much of your time. Uh, especially today, and I know you, you want to be with your young family, but to, to you and to your team 
it is no small thing what you did. It took a lot of courage. And you may not know that because your whole career is daily habits of courage. You've, you've, you've exercised courage on a daily basis your entire adult life and your career. So you may not understand, even when you're flexing really hard, it was uh, an extreme act of courage and then an extreme act of solidarity with Liz. So, um, and I know that you know full well the risks that you took. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I had Liz and Mike, my wife, and I mean, I, I had zero support. It was Liz and Mike and I, and we just had to have faith and go for it. And my wife now is coming around after seeing the responses, but for the last year and a half, it wasn't really well received. Can I recommend a, a film that you need to watch together with your wife? Yeah. A Hidden Life by Terrence Malick. Okay, cool. And my will wife, yeah, I will. And my wife will not watch it with me because she just kiboshed a documentary I've been trying to do for a long time on a U.S. drone strike ordered by Obama in Yemen that killed 36 women. And I thought I convinced her and I didn't convince her. And she's sure I will die on this project. And she goes, I know the only reason you want me to watch A Hidden Life is so that I can be inspired to let you go die. <laughs> so she won't watch it with me. But, oh my God. but it is a brilliant film. It's a beautiful film about a man who doesn't go looking for a fight. It's a true story about an Austrian farmer who's just minding his own business. The Nazis invade and want him to swear loyalty oath to Hitler, which he refuses to do. And they give him every opportunity to do it in the softest, easiest way to avoid any kind of real consequences. And the dynamic between him and his wife in this dilemma, does he just simply say an oath and go along living the way he did, or does he die? And that's the struggle, and it's a true story, and, the, and the, sort of the dynamic between the wife and the husband in that. So I just think it'd be a great film for you two to watch that's together. Great. And it's Terrence Malick, so you know it's, it's startlingly beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Will do. All right, brother. I'm, I'm going to let you go, and then hopefully we're going to talk this week on the Alex Jones Show, I hope. Yes, sir. That would be awesome. I'm honored. All right. No, I'm honored to have you. I cannot wait. So, guys, we're going to do a, a tight, nice interview on the Alex Jones Show, um, Brad and I, on Thursday in the 4 o'clock hour. Until Monday, this has been the Jason Jones Show, brought to you by Movie to Movement, promoting a culture of life, love, and beauty through the power of film. And I am asking you now, go to outofshadows.org, share the film, make a donation. We need to see a sequel to this film, a follow-up, and we need to stand in solidarity with them as they are standing in solidarity with the vulnerable, especially children. Aloha. This has been the Jason Jones Show. Powered by Mudhouse Media. Thank you.